culture, a way of life, a lifestyle, the values, traditions, and practices of a specific group of people. All around the world, there are different groups of people, and every group of people has a certain way of doing things. Every family has a special way of life. Who they are shapes what they do and what they don't do and what they're like. In Vancouver, Washington, we are a group of students known as citizens. We are a community of students learning to live for Jesus. Like every community, we also have a culture. We read the Bible, God's message to us about life, the world, and Jesus. When we come together, we can't help but get excited. And we sing, passionately declaring truth and thanking God for what He has done. We give, responding to God's generosity by being generous with our money. And we serve, using our God-given talents and abilities to build one another up. This is a place where we connect, welcoming others and forming godly friendships. When we fall down, we confess. And when we have conflict, we come together and we reconcile. Knowing that when Jesus saved us, he brought us together as a family. No matter how imperfect we may be, this is who we are. We are citizens. We are citizens. We are citizens. All right. Well, how's it going, guys? Good. Hey, if we haven't met yet, my name's Tyler, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I get the opportunity to, to lead uh, the music here at LifePoint. And so Sam came to me and he said, would you be cool with, uh, with talking about music? Um, and I said, yeah, I like doing that, so I'll do that. That's cool. Um, so, so I remember it clearly. I was uh, standing on the platform of, of the church I was at before LifePoint, and I was doing what I do. I was standing there with my guitar. I was singing the song. Uh, I was trying to be passionate and get people engaged, and I remember just this instant where I was just like, I'm not cut out for this. And like this fear came over me in that moment, and I thought, I have no idea why we do this. Like, why does the church sing? I have no idea why we do it. I don't know why the church as a whole does it. I have no idea why I'm the one leading it. Um, what's going on here? And all of a sudden, like everything, the, the preparation, the, uh, the perfectly planned a dramatic musical moment, all of it just felt really, really wrong. And I didn't, didn't know what to do with that. You know, uh, sometimes I wish there was a scripture that was like, this is exactly how to, uh, how to do music in a, in a church community. Like, that would be really helpful if there was like a verse that was like, uh, thou shalt sing five songs. And uh, one of them should be from Chris Tomlin. And two of them should be from Hillsong. One of them should be 14 minutes, because that's what Hillsong does. And uh, one should be a hymn, not too redone, because you'll make people mad. Um, and if you do this, uh, people will experience the seemingly elusive presence of God every time you meet as a church. And they'll come back wanting more. Your church will grow, and you'll make millions of dollars. I wish that that was the case, but we don't really get that. Um, there's a few spots in the New Testament where it talks about singing. We're going to look at one of them tonight. There's a, a lot of times in the Old Testament where it tells us, uh, commands us to sing and tells us what to do with that. But as far as like an outline of what it should look like, we don't, we don't really get that. Um, I spent a lot of my young adult life living in a van, uh, traveling the country playing music. And uh, I don't know, growing up I always thought like being on tour would be like the most glamorous lifestyle. And so when I did that, I was really, really surprised to find that it's actually extremely boring. Um, you work for one hour a day. It's the hour that you're up on a stage doing something, whether it be at a, a coffee shop or a college campus or wherever you're at. And uh, the other 23 hours are totally devoted to that one hour. 
So whether it's uh, driving to a city or, or setting up or um, sound checking or working on contract stuff or tearing down, uh, trying to convince somebody to buy your CD at the end of the night, whatever it is, or driving to the next city for the next day, um, how you live those 23 hours um, make very little difference in the one hour that you work. Okay, um, here's an example. So it was Chicago and it was April, and I remember that because it was the first time I had left home since my wife had given birth to our first daughter. And uh, we were like really worried about me going like back out on the road uh, whenever Molly was born, uh, but we had to, I had to. And so um, honestly, this was just like a really, really, really rough day. I remember, uh, like I don't know if you know this because you're, you're teenagers, but when you have a kid, you stop sleeping. Like sleep is no longer a thing. And uh, so my wife wasn't sleeping at home, and I was, like, living in a van, so I wasn't sleeping any, in, at all. And, uh, and we were just at each other's throats that day. Like, like, honestly, like, I was just being a jerk. I had no idea how to handle having a wife, a kid, and being away from my family. And so, um, man, I was just, like, I was failing that day as a husband. Like, not doing well. I was being rude on the phone. I just, it was, it was a mess. But you know what? I got up that night on, like on the, the stage where I was playing, and I sang songs for an hour about my wife. They were super, like, romantic love songs, and, uh, like, I sold it, and, I, and it worked. Like, that night, it was a great night on, on stage, but how I lived those 23 hours made very little difference in that one hour that I was in front of people. Does that make sense? Yes. Cool, thanks. Um, and so, back to that Sunday morning where I realized I had no idea what I was doing. Um... I think what hit me in that moment was that I was treating church music the same way I had been treating uh, music outside of the church, in that I figured that as long as uh, people responded in the moment, as long as I like, glanced out and there were like hands raised during the songs, or maybe a tear shed when I hit the high note, or whatever, um, if those things were happening, then, uh, then worship was happening, and therefore like, it didn't matter much uh, the way that I the way that I lived outside of that. And um, that, uh, that's wrong. Like, that's not the way that we should view worship. And uh, um, it's interesting because I, I thought about this in that moment. I thought, if I am somebody who, like, does this for a living and I'm really confused about what it means, um, I wonder how much uh, the people that um, are on the other side of the microphone are really confused about what it means. And so I started talking to people, and I started trying to figure out for myself what it meant and I figured, I figured out that there was, like, there was a lot of misconception about, about what worship is. And uh, um, it, it's, it's easy to get that misconception, right? Because what do we call the time that we sing at church? Worship. What do we call the person who leads the music? The worship leader. What do you call the genre of music that you put Chris Tomlin and Hillsong in? Worship music, right. And so by the way that the American church talks about it, you would think that worship is music. Um that you would think that like, the, the, uh, the entirety of what we do um, as worship is what happens in the 30 minutes before the sermon on Sunday mornings or on Wednesday nights. And so uh, I figured that before we talked about music, we had to talk about worship, okay? So we don't think that we're talking about the same thing. Um, so what is worship? I have a good definition for you. How about that? Uh, a guy named Tim Keller says this. He says that worship is the act of ascribing ultimate value to something in a way that energizes and engages your whole person or being. I love that definition. 
Um, so what that definition is saying is that whenever we act like something is the most important thing in the world, we're worshiping it. Okay, so that, um, if that's true, if that is a true definition of worship, then aren't we all worshiping something all the time? Like, that's who we are. We're worshipers. It's actually how we were created. It's how God created us. Um, so whether it's uh, Jesus that we're worshiping or money or popularity or pizza or I worship pizza on, on my worst days. Um, but whether, whatever it is, like we are always worshiping something. And the, the call of the Christian is to, to turn that worship to Christ. Um, there's a guy named Harold Best who says uh, about worship, he says, we begin with one fundamental fact about worship. At this very moment, and for as long as this world endures, everybody inhabiting it is bowing down and serving something or someone, an artifact, a person, an institution, an idea, a spirit, or God through Christ. Um, honestly, like, we're really good at worshiping, too. Like, let's uh, like think about the, the stereotypical Wall Street mogul who spends 70 hours a week working so he can get that yacht or that penthouse apartment or whatever it is. Or think about, like, the helicopter parent that spends, like, way more than 70 hours a week, like, controlling the lives of their children uh, so that they turn out a certain way. Or think about, um, like, in one of its uh, saddest forms, like a drug addict who is just trying to get to that next fix. Um, look in the mirror, because you'll see it in yourself. You'll see it in where you spend your time, where you spend your energy, where you spend your money, the things that you think about. Like, that is how we as humans worship. So, if that's worship, what does that mean for people who follow Jesus? Well, um, there's a spot in, in Romans, and you can turn there if you want, if you guys have Bibles. You guys have Bibles? No. Cool. All right. So, uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but just real quick, um, there's a spot where... Uh, where the writer says, this is your spiritual worship. So I think that's a good spot to go to to see what worship should look like. And that's in Romans 12. And it says this. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So um, what does that mean? Um, what on earth is a living sacrifice? Because that's kind of a, an odd, odd phrase. Uh, uh, we don't have time tonight to go into to atonement and what what this idea of sacrifice is and how we can be, be a living sacrifice, how we can do that. But um, there's this great uh, paraphrase that Eugene Peterson has of these verses, and he says it this way. He says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work life, or sorry, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. So what that means is that worship is so much more than just a handful of songs on a Sunday morning. That means that, that worship is uh, the way that we interact with our parents. That is the way that we, uh, the way that we treat our schoolwork, the way that we um, love our sibling, the way that we talk with our friends, the way that we think. All these things are the ways that we worship. Um, does that make sense? Worship is all, all of life, right? So going back to that list of things that we call worship here in the American church, like what should we call the times that we sing in church? I, I like to call it musical worship, uh, just so it's like a distinction, like a it's a reminder every time I say it, like this is a, a portion of my worship, but not all of it. You could also just call it music if you want, um, or call it singing. Uh, what do you call the person that leads music in a church? Like my, my title here is like the music pastor, not the worship pastor, and I'm really, 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 really glad I'm not the worship pastor because that would be a job I couldn't perform because then I'd have to be in your bedroom at 6 a.m. when you woke up and I'd be like, remember, it's all a life. It's not just Sunday. <laughs> and I don't want to be in your bedroom at 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, so 
Um, if God wants to be glorified in all of life, then that would include while we sing, right? And singing actually has a really, really, really important place in the life of the Christian. Uh, so we're going to spend most of our, the rest of our time talking specifically about singing. And um, as we do, let's keep this in mind, okay? That um, is, is, wor- is singing together worship? Absolutely. And is worship singing? And the answer to that is sometimes. That it's this, this not encompassing of all of our worship, but it's definitely a part of it. Um, so when we're talking about music, music is definitely important, like I said. The, the Bible contains over 400 references to singing and 50 direct commands to sing. Uh, the longest book of the Bible, the Psalms, is, is a, in, some would say it's a song book. And uh, one thing that's really cool is that um, all three members of the Trinity, so we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they all have singing attached to them somewhere in the Bible. In uh, Zephaniah 3, God exalts over his people with loud singing. Um, the night before Jesus was crucified, he sang hymns with his disciples. And then uh, in Ephesians 5, um, it says that one of the effects of being filled with the Spirit is, is singing together. And so um, singing is definitely important. Also, God's our creator, right? Um, and thinking about this is really cool. Your voice is uh, the only instrument that God directly, uh, that God directly invented, Right? Um, it's uh, something that we all with different levels of uh, um, talent and training can use, and we can use that to glorify him. Um, so music's important, all right? Singing is important. So we're going to look at, at one, uh, one text tonight in the New Testament that tells us why singing is important. And uh, yeah, let's do it. It's Colossians 3, uh, verses 16 and 17. It says, um, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the first little part of that text, it says this. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the thing I want you to remember here is that singing helps the good news to dwell in our hearts. Um... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What's the word of Christ? That's another word, uh, another way of saying um, the good news of the gospel, the work that Jesus has done. And uh, so that begs the question, what's the gospel? And uh, I know you guys talk about that a lot here in Citizens, uh, but just as a refresher, God created this world. He created a perfect world. Um, he created humans. And uh, in our humanity, we decided that we wanted to be like God. And we uh, we messed it up, right? We, we fell, we sinned, and we are in sin now, living, uh, living under this, this curse, if you will, um, that the world is broken, right? There's, uh, there's sickness, there's death, um, there's tsunamis, there's all these problems in our world, uh, um, and like the root can be taken back to the fall. But God didn't stop there. He sent his son, and he sent his son to make everything new, to, uh, to set it all right. So that means that for you guys individually, that um, through salvation, you're going to be made new. You're going to be made right with God. And God's doing that like, for the entire, for all of creation. Creation, it says in Scripture, is groaning, waiting for that day when God's going to make it right. And so singing is one of the ways that, uh, that we let that good news dwell in our hearts. So let's keep going. Okay, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So um, songs help us learn, right? Like, it's pretty evident. Like, I still don't know what letter comes after T without going Q-R-S-T-U. It's you. All right, it's you. Um, and if you, uh, if you want me to even come close to being able to name all the 50 states, I'm going to have to start with Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas. You guys learn those songs? Yeah, absolutely. So um, music is a... Uh, is, is a, a tool that we have for learning and memorizing. Um, it's pretty cool. Like we, uh, in my house, we have, we have a five-year-old and she uh, is like learning little Bible verses all the time. And we found that like if I pick up the guitar before bed and like make a little melody to it, it sticks so much better than if, uh, than if we just like, all right, Molly, do this, do this. All right, you, yep, keep, keep practicing. Uh, if we sing it, it happens better. And this is not just uh, in five-year-olds. Um, um, there's this guy in a book called Music Ophelia who says, every culture has songs and rhymes to help children learn the alphabet, numbers, and other lists. Even as adults, we're limited in our ability to memorize series or hold them in mind unless we use mnemonic devices or patterns. And the most powerful of these devices are rhyme, meter, and song. Singing helps us learn the gospel and remind others of the gospel. Um, there's all sorts of stories about Alzheimer's patients who can't remember the names of their family members or their spouses, but the minute a song from their decade comes on, they know every word. And it's interesting, because like, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, like, um, that works for us, too, right? Like, maybe a song that used to be popular that you kind of knew. Like, uh, um, all right, so we're, let's try this. So I'm going to say some words, and I'm going to sing them to you. And then, like, if, if you pick it up, sing it back, okay? Like, sing, you know, keep, keep the phrase going. And I'm not going to use, like, like, big words or anything. These are, like, kind of little words, but... Um, but you'll know what I'm talking about, all right? Let's try this. And I was like, exactly. All right, let's try another one. Let's try another one. <laughs> Caleb's got it. All right, let's try another one. Um, because you know I'm, all right. <laughs> exactly. You're proving my point here. This is great. Um, and it's really cool is that God, our creator, made us this way. He made us to where uh, we would naturally... Uh, catch on to things and use these things as tools for learning. In fact, in Deuteronomy 31, um, God wants Israel to remember where they've, where they've come from where, uh, before they go in the promised land. So he tells Moses, he says to them, he says, uh, when many, uh, teach them a song so that when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. That's pretty cool, right? That like God himself knew that uh, that. Uh, us learning songs would help us uh, to know him better. Um, that, that text says, um, again, teaching, we talk about teaching, and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Uh, admonishing means this. It says to, to advise or to urge someone earnestly. And if we believe the story, that, uh, the story of the gospel that I, that I mentioned just a minute ago, the fact that God created the world, that it's broken, it's really broken, and he's the one who's gonna come and make it right, if we really, really believe that, um, like, we're going to want to share that with people, right? We're going to want to tell that to the people that we love. We're going to want to, people that already know that, we're going to remind them of that. And that brings up another point, and that's that the gospel isn't just for the beginning of the Christian life. Sometimes we, we think that the gospel is something that you, like, that you learn whenever you first become a Christian, but then you graduate to, like, holier, uh, holier pursuits, 
Um, but in fact, like the gospel is for the person who's just coming to Jesus, and it's also for the person who's uh, been following Jesus for 80 years. Uh, Tim Keller says that we never get beyond the gospel in our Christian life to something more advanced. The gospel is not the first step in a stairway of truths. Rather, it is more like a hub in a wheel of truth. The gospel is not just the ABCs, but the A to Z of Christianity. The gospel is not just the minimum required doctrine necessary to enter the kingdom kingdom of God, but the way that we make progress in the kingdom. And so as as we sing, we... uh, what we're doing is we're reminding each other of the gospel. We're reminding ourselves of the gospel. And that's, that's really cool that God uh, gave us that, that gift and tool for, for learning. You guys doing all right? Doing good? Cool. I'm new to this speaking thing, so I just realized I'm probably not supposed to turn my back to you and take a drink of water, but I did it anyway. All right. Okay. All right, let's keep going. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Um, singing helps us become a family. Uh, the, the text right there, it says it. Uh, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this. Maybe you're too young, but there was this movement in the church about a decade ago, I think, um, to, to decide that uh, music in church, that worship music in church was, like, was all for an audience of one. And what, what the people who were kind of behind that movement were trying to do was like get the focus back on God instead of the lights and the smoke and the show that a lot of churches had become. Uh, but what that did is that, that really, um, really kind of like messed up the way that we view music in the church, right? Because there is this vertical aspect where we are singing to God, we're praising him for who he is. We're gonna talk about some examples here in a minute uh, of ways that we declare to God who he is, the ways that we, that we praise him for who he is. Um, but it's not just for an audience of one. There's like this vertical element for sure, but there's also like a super important horizontal element. Does that make sense, vertical and horizontal? Like vertical talking to God, horizontal talking to each other. And um, so um, the, uh, the, the fact that we're a family is super important here, okay? Um, because, in fact, there are three audiences for singing in, in church. And so um, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, uh, there's three audiences. The first audience is God, right? We're singing to God. We're singing about God. Um, we're, he is, he is uh, being glorified as we sing together. And uh, the second audience is other Christians. Um, like, I, uh, I, I say this phrase a lot, um, but when we sing, it's almost like you're nudging your neighbor and like saying, remember that? Like when this week was rough, when this week um, beat you down, remember that, like, that, uh, that he's never gonna let go of us, right? We're, we're reminding each other. And sometimes we're the one who needs a reminder. And so as we sing, we're reminding ourselves that the, that the work of Jesus is true. Um, because honestly, we, we have a tendency to forget it, right? So, um, so it's for Christians as well. And third, it's for the watching world. Um, that first thing at the top of the, at the text there, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Um, it's really, really cool uh, whenever the word of Christ starts dwelling in someone richly because of the witness of other Christians. Whenever somebody who doesn't know Jesus hears the, the witness, whether it be through song or sermon, um, they hear the gospel and that um, they have the, the, uh, the opportunity in that moment uh, to join the song, right? That's pretty cool. 
A guy named Mike Cosper says that uh, worship that celebrates the gospel brings all three audiences together. Uh, the God who saves by the gospel, the church formed by the gospel, and the world in need of the gospel. So when we sing, there's three audiences. And uh, we should keep that in mind when we're singing. Um, another part of being a family is that, that uh, people just sing together. That's like what people do. Like, have you ever been to a Timbers game, like a Portland Timbers game? Like, there are, like, men who are much more grisly than I am, like, standing there for 90 minutes, like, singing their heart out for their team. And that's pretty cool, right? Um, there's, there's things, uh, like, that, that's, like, a super menial thing. Uh, but there's also, in, like, really intense trial, you think about um, the African-American slaves who sang while they were working and uh, trying, to, um, trying to get through and to press on to, till freedom came. They, they sang and um, so there's menial and there's like intense uh, times that people sing. There's really awkward times that people sing, like Christmas carols. Um, like I sing, like I sing for a living, and I think it's really weird when people like knock on your door and then start singing when you open it. I'm like, that's a little too much. You should settle down. Uh, but um, and also in community, like this past summer at camp, it was like one of my favorite things to walk by the different spots on the campground that had pianos or people sitting with guitars. And I remember just like walking by with my wife and like. Uh, there was groups of you guys, and uh, you guys were singing. Uh, it was really random. Sometimes you guys were singing Justin Bieber, and sometimes you guys were singing songs that we were singing in the gatherings. It was really cool. It was cool because family, uh, family, sing to, family sings together, and um, I don't know. That's really neat. So singing helps us become a family, all right? Let's keep moving. All right, let's, uh, let's read this again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So there it is, the, uh, the, uh, the declaration to sing. And uh, there's been a lot of time spent like, trying to figure out like, what's the difference between psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And uh, there's some guys that have some really good ideas on that, but I think that the point is um, that when we do come together and sing as the church, uh, we sing different types of songs. We sing songs that have different, different purposes. And so we're going to outline some of those right now, and I'm going to give you some examples of songs that you guys sing here in Citizens uh, that would fall into these categories, okay? So songs of praise. Um, like I said earlier, over 50 times in the Bible, we're, we're told to sing, and a lot of times uh, that we're told to sing, we're told to praise God, and, and like that's the, kind of the context of that singing. Um, all over the Psalms, there's talks about... Uh, about singing praises. In Psalm 47, it says, sing praise to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. And so in, in like one verse, it's like four times it says to sing praises. So I think that we should probably sing praises. Um, also, Jesus sang uh, praises. Um, in Hebrews 2, it, it talks about um, how Jesus uh, says that uh, I will um, tell your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And so, um, so Jesus sang songs of praise. And so let's look at a couple of examples of, of songs that we sing here that are uh, songs of praise. All right, the song called At Your Name. And this is the worst of the chorus. It says, Lord of all the earth, we shout your name, filling up the skies with endless praise. Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name, O Lord. So this is what a uh, song of praise could look like. It could look like just uh, telling God how, um, how amazing he is, how, how, how great he is. Um, one of the songs that we're going to sing here in, here in a little bit um, is, uh, is greater you, Lord. And the chorus says this. It says, it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. And later it says, all the earth will shout your name. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. So does that make sense? Like these songs of praise? You got that? Another type of song is uh, songs of declaration. And so this is kind of where that reminding ourselves and each other of the gospel 
uh, comes in. And it's really cool because we can do this in a couple different ways. We can actually sing to God while declaring things to each other. Um, and we can, we can sing like directly to each other. And uh, here's, here's two examples of that. Um, made Alive, we sang that just a minute ago. It says, you have bought me back with the riches of your amazing grace and relentless love. Uh, by your grace, I'm saved. My sin has been erased. I'll never be the same. And so that's an example of us singing to God, but in that moment, nudging our neighbor, right? Like reminding each other of the work that Jesus has done in us. Does that make sense? And uh, on, on, a, on the other end of it, um, singing directly to each other. Uh, this is a song that we started singing this year, and it's, it's like one of my favorites. And this is just a couple of lyrics. It says, look what God has done. He adopted us in love. We were orphans without hope, now his children. And uh, so are you guys starting to see like how, um, how every time we sing, we have the opportunity to remind each other of who we are and who God is? It's pretty cool, right? One more type of song. Uh, songs of response. Uh, we sang this one today too. Uh, lift up your voice and thank him. Our God provides our every need. Worship the God of mercy who gave his life to set us free. Um, worship, if you think about it um, as a whole, is a response to what God has done. It's a response to the, the revelation of scripture, that, that gospel story that we've been talking about is true. And so we need to, uh, to remind each other, like, again, hey, lift up your voice, thank him. Our God provides our every need. And so when we're singing, we're, we're giving each other the op opportunity to do that. In another song, I think we're singing this one tonight. Um, uh, oh, great is our God, so let our songs be endless. So awesome his ways, how could we comprehend them? So we will make it known to our kids and we will sing about the gracious gifts you give. Um, so those are three different types of songs that we sing together as a church. Um, and each of them has, has their place and their role in glorifying God and uh, building up each other as believers. Okay, um, another thing about this is that, that um, music gives us language, um, and this is really cool. Music gives us language to talk uh, to God, to each other, and to ourselves. Um, so it was camp, uh, summer camp two years ago, that I was, uh, I was leading music, and as soon as the, the evening gathering got over, the sun was getting ready to set, and I'm from Kansas, and so the ocean is still like amazing to me, because uh, in Kansas, like, you don't, we don't know what the ocean is in Kansas. We think it's a fairy tale. And so, um, so after the camp was on the beach, after the gathering, uh, me and a couple of the guys that were with me, we like ran across the street, like over the bridge, you know what I'm talking about, over into the sand and uh, took off our shoes and like ran to the water. And the minute we got there, it was, it was like the most beautiful thing ever. Uh, the sun was setting over the Pacific. There's those two rocks at Twin Rocks. And uh, <laughs> it's crazy how that works. Um, so there's these two rocks, uh, the, the, the stars, the moon, and like in that moment, like I was like overcome with like the beauty of creation, with uh, the greatness of God, with um, just how big and amazing and, and great God is. And, and in that moment, um, like I, it could have just come and gone. Like that moment could have been like, wow, God, you're so amazing, and then I could have just left it there. But because of the fact of singing for years and years, the, the, uh, the uh, practice of over and over and over singing together as the church, like these words like, actually came out of my mouth. I was just like, you are holy, great and mighty. The moon, this, like, this moon and star, like that moon, these stars, they declare who you are. And so in that moment, the song, the words of the song, Canons, like, gave me a framework that I could worship God in that moment. And so like, think about this, the fact that, um, or when we sing as a community, 
like that's language for when we're not in that gathering, okay? So, um, and that's happened more than once. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, let's keep going. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Music is emotional, right? I guess really emotional. And um, even as I was working on the sermon, like I was like noticing how emotional music is. A couple of days ago, I was prepping the sermon sitting in a coffee shop, and I was like, in my earbuds, I had like, I was listening to metal. And I was like, this sermon's gonna be epic. Like I was like, yeah. And then like this morning, I was prepping at a, uh, elsewhere, and uh, I was listening to like really chill music, like music your mom probably likes. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is gonna be so boring. I, uh, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this. Um, and so, like, we know this, right? We know that music shapes things. Like, there's a reason that, like, there are guys who make a lot of money to score movies. Um, have you ever, uh, like, watched a director's cut of a movie without the music in it yet? It's so weird. It's like, I don't feel what I felt when I saw that in the theater. I don't feel what I felt when I saw that earlier. Um, like, music is emotional. Uh, you know who's really, really good at this is Macklemore, like, the, the rapper Macklemore. I don't recommend his music very much. Um, but, like, he has a new song that's all about, like, um, like overdosing and like when I was listening to that song I was just like oh man like we have to we have to stop the prescription pill problem in America like some, like an issue that like doesn't affect me like outside of this I was like we have to do something about this because of the music of Macklemore alright the guy has like a song about baseball that made me cry like for real I'm not kidding it's nuts music is emotional and we see it in the Bible too uh, when David played skillfully uh, on his harp it says that the spirit of Saul was, was calmed Okay, so music helped calm the, the spirit of, of the king there. Um, Jesus in Matthew 11, um, he talks about music that, um, music, some music makes us want to dance and some music helps us mourn. Um, like he referred to music that made people want to dance or mourn. And then like this text right here, um, that when we sing together, uh, one of the things that's going to happen that we should have is, is thankfulness in our hearts to God. So music is a, is a tool, right? Music is a tool that, uh, that we can use for learning and it's also like for uh, to help us express what we're feeling and to, um, to, to, to let that emotion, emotion play out. All right, we have one, music is emotional, you got it. Um, we have one last little stretch here and then we're done. Uh, let's read it again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I absolutely love that, that Paul uh, finishes this section of scripture with that. Because after he talks about singing, after he talks about what, um, like what happens when we sing and like one of the ways, the, all the different ways we can use singing, he takes it back to worship, right? He... Um, he, uh, he, he brings it back. So let's read that little, last little part again. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That sounds a lot like, uh, a, a lot like Romans 1 where we're supposed to give our entire lives uh, to the glory of God. Um, again, the message, uh, which is the, a, a paraphrase of the Bible, it says the, this verse this way. It says, let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of, your, of the master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. So, um, and the band can go ahead and get ready if you want. Um, so, like, a, a few things I want, like, just to remember from tonight is that, um, like, worship is so much more than what happens in this room, right? 
Like um, you can glorify God every bit as much as you can on Wednesday night, on Thursday morning in biology class, um, on Saturday afternoon when you're hanging out with your family. And that's really important to remember. And it's also important to remember that when we do this, when we sing together as a, as a church, it's not just to fill 30 minutes. It's not to get the reaction of like goosebumps or hands raised in the air. Um, but it's so that we can glorify God. It's so that we can glorify God in all these different ways. It's so that we can learn the gospel, be reminded of the gospel. It's so that the word of Christ can really get in and dwell in our hearts. And it's so that we can be a better family, so that we can grow as a, as a, as a, a, a like a youth ministry, as citizens. And um, yeah, Mus- uh, music's a response. And so, uh, so what we're going to do now is that we're going we're gonna to respond uh, to the Word of God uh, by singing, okay? And uh, so when, when we're doing this, if you, uh, if you don't know all the words, that's what the screen's for. And you can read them. You can just read them and say, yeah, I agree with that. Or you can learn them and sing them. If you know them well, sing them out. And, uh, and in our gatherings, we, we respond other ways too. So we respond through giving. And... Um, so as we're singing these songs, uh, I heard that there were offering buckets. Oh, they're going to pass them. Okay, so the offering will come around. And that's another way that we respond to the word. So um, let me pray for you, and then, and then we'll get after it. Father, we love you. And uh, it's our desire to glorify you in everything. God, we want Romans 12 to be true of us. Um, we want to be a people who who take every part of our lives and give it to you. We want to be a people who, uh, who wake up and go to sleep with the gospel in our head, in our, in our hearts. And God, we want to be a people who gather and sing these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to you, knowing that as we sing, you're forming us. As we uh, meditate on these, these words on your scripture that that you're doing a work in us, that you're, um, you're transforming us into your image. And so God, I pray that as we, as we sing, that would happen. I pray that as, uh, as these guys sing over the next many weeks, as we uh, do it at camp together, God, I pray that as we, as we sing, you'd, you'd remind them of uh, the purpose of singing, that you'd remind them that they're here to glorify you and to, to help build each other up. God, be glorified in all of it. That's what we really want. We love you. Amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and